Hi, this is Tom Compton of We Hold These Truths. You're listening to the Unheralded News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths at whtt.org on the web. Each week we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's Pharisee Watch and Unheralded News, we're going to visit a subject that we talk about uh, with some regularity. It's about the end times. It seems to be quintessently popular. It just keeps reappearing and reappearing amongst our Christian Zionist friends, dispensationalists. And Chuck's report today, Profits for Profit, Please Do Your Homework, is about the latest in the string of these so-called prophets who seem to pop up regularly. They seem to be always wrong about their predictions. And now they've got a little interesting twist. So this article that Chuck wrote comes from a piece in charismanews.com. It's an online, it looks to be a Christian Zionist type site, And the article is, Bible Scholar Predicts New Date of Christ's Second Coming. This was was posted on the 6th of December, and it was written by Troy Anderson. And it's about a man named F. Kenton, quote-unquote, Doc Beshore. Leslie, why don't you read some excerpts from this story, please? Bible Scholar predicts new date of Christ's second coming. Hal Lindsey, author of the late great planet Earth, believed he had unlocked the secrets of this passage in Matthew 24, verses 32 through 33, suggesting the generation that saw the 1948 rebirth of Israel as a nation purportedly symbolized by the fig tree, would see the return of Jesus Christ. In what became the world's best-selling nonfiction book of the 1970s, Lindsay wrote a biblical generation is, quote, something like 40 years, unquote, and suggested that, quote, within 40 years or so of 1948, all these things could take place, unquote. But when Jesus didn't return in 1988, Lindsay's interpretation of the passage came under heavy criticism and for many years the church largely shied away from teaching Bible prophecy. Now, World Bible Society, President F. Kenton Doc Beshore, argues Lindsay's interpretation of the passage was correct, but he was wrong about the length of the biblical generation. Quote, Jesus says in Matthew 24:34 that this born one or this generation will not pass away until all these things be fulfilled, unquote, says Bishore, 86, who holds five doctoral degrees in theology. Quote, he pictures Israel as a Jewish boy born May 14, 1948, that would grow up and become an old man until he comes in glory to establish his millennial kingdom. Now, how long is this generation, this born one? 
The first meaning of born one is in Psalm 90.10. If you extend that from 1948, the outside date for the millennium would be 2028. Take off seven years for the tribulation and the outside date for the rapture would be 2021. The rapture could take place before that, but certainly by then, unquote. All right, thank you, Leslie. And, of course, the book that uh, he was referring to by Hal Lindsey is The Late Great Planet Earth, and it sold millions of copies. It seemed to engross and enchant millions of Christians, and we still see this today with the Left Behind series and all these end times types of movies, of, of banners, movies, and so forth. Yes. So, Leslie, why don't you read Chuck's article here, please, for us? Profits for Profit, Please Do Your Homework by Charles Carlson, December 11th, 2012. And the world prophets give the war profiteers a double whammy by both discrediting Christianity and justifying Israel's genocide against its neighbors. End of the world prophecies are a hallmark of the Judeo-Christian movement, lately called Christian Zionism. The latest forecast comes from Keaton Bishor, another aging TV pastor who claims five academic degrees and who follows on the heels of other discredited false prophets, as Jesus might have called them in his day, predicting the end of the world soon. The present-day pundits, seemingly asinine logic, is given credence in today's press because their misshapen logic always works favorably for the state of Israel and justifies its constant war barrage upon its east Mediterranean neighbors, recently the biblical Philistines of Gaza. Simply stated, most false Christian prophecies indirectly support war in the Middle East. Therefore, those who profit from war hold their noses and publicize the predictions through newsmen who are lapping up their sleeves. Don't waste time reading Bashor, Camping, Hal Lindsey, and several others who predict the end of the world as based on the Mayan calendar, unless you do not mind wasting a lot of time. I do not quote any of them here, but I will in papers to come. Like others, Bashor bases his view on his own interpretation of the New Testament book of Matthew, chapters 24 and 25. It so happens this author has written a good bit about these same chapters which I find to be among the most clear 2,000-year-old instructions to those who follow Jesus, telling them how to act and think with a seemingly impossible mission to carry out. It is, therefore, practical instruction to us on life, heaven, and hell. Accordingly, I suggest you read Matthew chapters 23, 24, and 25, to form your own opinion what Jesus wanted understood. I will re-examine these words before Christmas. Okay, well, thank you, Leslie. That was a very, once again, thought-provoking article, Chuck. And it seems that the sensationalists do get the coverage. In this same paper, charismanews.com, 
I happened upon another article about John Hagee, the Christian Zionist, and the news report was that John Hagee's Facebook page had just exceeded one million followers or one million likes. So I guess that just shows that there's a lot of deception out there and people are grasping to follow these quote-unquote leaders who, as we've stated in the past many times, turn their backs on what Jesus taught us. Do you know what uh, Hal Lindsey's sequel was to The Late Great Planet Earth? No, I didn't even read that. What is it? Surprise me, Leslie. <laughs> Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. Yes, and deceiving people in great, great numbers. He continues, I don't know if he's still on TV, I think he may even still have his own show on one of these Christian celebrity channels that are out there. You mean Satan or Hagee? All of the above. All right. And Hal Lindsey, he had a program, I don't follow him. Chuck, would you like to add a few words? All right, well, thank you, Tom. And what we're dealing with here is one of the most frequently abused sections of Scripture in which the so-called prophets of end times prophets, uh, of which we've talked about several here, who've actually used this same passage in Matthew 24 as the basis for their argument that the world, the end of the world is coming, and it's related to the founding of the state of Israel. And this in itself is a basic abuse of Scripture because there's nothing really to support that. But in Matthew, nothing realistic to support it. It's, it's sort of a manufactured kind of a idea in the Bible. And uh, one of the most common passages quoted is a, a passage by Jesus in Matthew 24 that's taken, it's just plucked out of the context of, of what we believe Jesus was saying and doing near the end of his life when he had a handful of men following him around and uh, he was actually teaching them what they would be doing after he was gone because he already knew that he was going to be gone. And uh, so I want to just talk about this briefly, and then in, in a later edition we're going to do a more detailed study of Matthew 24, and we need to also remind our listeners that we already have done two or three, maybe more, full-length articles on the abuse of these books in Matthew, Matthew 23, 4, and 5. Just to give you a, a little background in this, what, of course, the prophets say is that uh, they, they pluck a, a verse out of the, Matthew 24 about Jesus' presence at the temple and where Jesus talks about the destruction of the temple that was later to happen only uh, 35 years later. The temple was completely destroyed, and uh, the history of that is carried in the Roman documents. And Jesus is essentially telling his followers about that and uh, what Matthew Heading and uh, numerous of these more recent day prophets, particularly Hal Lindsey back in 1989, and then uh, more recently two or three other uh, follow-ups on that. What the verses say is that Jesus talked about the tearing down of the temple and the destruction that would follow within the lifetime of the people who, who were listening to him. And the prophets for profit have taken that, and they've decided that that meant within the lifetime of the people who founded the state of Israel 2,000 
approximately uh, 1950 years later, more or less. So they've simply said that Jesus was prophesying something that was going to take place 2,000 years later, and it would be based upon the, the founding date of the state of Israel. If you actually read the chapters in, in any kind of reasonable context, you see that they paint a very clear picture of what Jesus was doing. If you go back to Matthew 23, and I, I'd invite every reader, every listener, to find a Bible somewhere, any Bible really, that has a New Testament. And don't pay any attention to the footnotes, but go back and read the book of Matthew, St. Matthew 23. And in it is an account of Jesus going inside the Judean temple occupied by the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had corrupted the religion of their day. And he stood in conflict with them in the temple. And his followers were all standing there, you can imagine, open-mouthed while he was talking to these mighty and powerful scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, who he said, Woe unto you, you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, because you built the tombs of the prophets and garnished the sepulchres of the righteous. He's saying that they were the slaughters of the righteous people that came along before him. He said, he calls them serpents and generations of vipers. He says in verse 33, Ye serpents and generations of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? So he's condemning the church leaders of his day to hell. He's saying that they cannot avoid hell because of their acts and the acts of those before him. And this went on right in the temple. And then in verse 25 is a continuation of 24. And he ends verse 23 by he's saying this to the leaders of the Israelite church of its day, the people that are sometimes today called Jews, but that was long before there was a word Jew. They were the fallen corrupted Israelites, similar to the fallen and corrupted Christians we have in our, in our churches today talking about this, this second coming. And in verse 36, Jesus said to them directly, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come to pass upon this generation. So he's condemning them in their own generation. So it makes it clear that he's talking about the here and now. He's talking about living people who will be condemned in their generation. And then, then when you go further, he mourns over Jerusalem for killing the prophets and stoning the righteous. And he talks further about that. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say to you, ye shall not, shall not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that chapter really didn't end there. It went right on. But the Bible writers chose to end that chapter there and start a new chapter 24. So, but if you were there, there's no chapter break. The book really just went right on. And for convenience, we have these chapter breaks. And so then the, the next chapter says, and Jesus went out, departing from the temple. So it says he was in the temple, and now he's leaving. And his disciples came to him and came after him. And they pointed out the majesty of the temple. And Jesus said to them, See you not all these things? Verily I say to you, truly I say to you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that has not been thrown down. So he told his disciples that the temple was going to be completely thrown down and destroyed. And, of course, that, history tells us, happened during the Roman Empire occupation. And then in chapter 24, Jesus goes forth, and he goes up on the Mount of Olives, 
and the disciples came with him privately, and then they had a big, long lesson. And the 24th chapter is about the lesson in which he's explaining to them that he's going to be going, that he won't be with them, that they're going to be the disciples, they're going to be carrying out his will, and they ask him, when will these things take place? And he tells them that it will all happen during their lifetime, during their lifetime. Now, we could go on. Uh, I don't want to go on with a sermon here, but you see so clearly what you have is a continuation. Jesus in the temple, and his followers are absolutely stunned by what they've heard, this incredible conflict where he calls these religious leaders vipers, snakes, and condemns them to basically condemn, says they can't escape hell because they are the leaders and they've corrupted and they've killed the prophets and they are the guilty people. And so Jesus then goes on and explains in a, a language that in, in some cases is symbolic, in some cases it's very direct and factual, but he's explaining to them what their mission will be. So from this now, I won't go further with this because I want you all to read it, and you might also read chapter 25, which, in which Jesus explains to the same disciples about heaven and hell, who will enter the kingdom of heaven, who will go to hell. And uh, it, it's very, very clear if you read all these chapters together. And remember that this language has been written and rewritten many times, and most of it is symbolic and very flowery in the, in the way that people maybe talked at that day, but certainly in the way that scribes wrote down and transcribed down the language that they heard. So essentially, this corruption of Matthew 24 is to say that when Jesus was talking to his disciples, and telling them, these, are all, these things are all going to happen in your time. You're going to have to put up with this persecution. You're going to be, some of you are going to be killed. Many of you will not survive. But you will see in, in your lifetime, those of you who survive, the destruction of the temple and a complete overthrowing of this corrupted religion that's here today. This is essentially his message to them. So what now you have the modern prophets, of which there are any number of them, and his Bishor is uh, the latest one, and uh, he's copying a uh, previous one, and he's basically saying uh, only the dates were wrong. Instead of 1987, this is actually going to take place in 2020 or something like that. And what he's saying is it will happen in the term of the lifetime of one Israeli who was born on the day that Israel was created in 1947, and within his lifetime then God will destroy the world, and he's saying that Jesus was predicting not the life of his prophets, but the destruction of the world. All right, so I've, I've given you kind of a sermon almost here to describe what the, what the scripture says to me, and I think to, to most reasonable people who really read it carefully, and the way it's been corrupted by this whole series of Christian Zionist or Judeo-Christian prophets, prophets for profit, some of whom have made their living their entire life writing about these prophecies, Hal Lindsey being one of them. Uh, he's an old man now. He's been writing about this entire life, and he's predicted the end of the world two or three times, and always wrong, of course, because Jesus was predicting the beginning of the world we live in. It was the beginning of the era uh, of responsibility for mankind to carry out his mission on earth. It wasn't 
a prediction of the end destruction of uh, on planet Earth, as uh, Bishore and these uh, others uh, tell us. Any questions, Tom? Do you think that many of these dispensationalists believe that the actual destruction of the temples and of Jerusalem was in 95 AD to fit with the book of Revelation. So with a later date, they could justify saying, well, it didn't happen this generation, what Jesus is referring to, so that they could transfer it to a later date, like you're talking about in 1948. Do you think that? Right. Well, Tom, you're exactly right. And this is, uh, this is the device that's used to sell the point of view because you cannot sell the, the ideas that are presented in these prophecies. So what happens is invariably the prophets for profit do not read Matthew 23, 4, and 5 together and see what they all, the context of it says as you would read a book if it was given to you to determine what the book said. Instead, they read snippets out of Matthew 24, and then they leap over to other books, and the, and the most popular one is the book of Revelations, which, is, which, which of course, was, a, was not a history book, but is, in fact, a dream. It is a vision of somebody who is thought to be John, and uh, he envisions all kinds of, of things, and, and it's actually, uh, the, the book is, is presented like a dream, in some cases, like a, quite a nightmare. And uh, so it's very convenient to pick this dream, to pick out uh, visions out of this dream and then patch them in with Matthew 24 or all kinds of other sections of the Bible. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, these prophets like Bishor, he likes to go back to the Old Testament, way back uh, to the books of David, and, and pick verses out of there that he says describe what a generation should be. And then he uses that as the pattern for deciding how long after the state of Israel was created that the, the world would come to an end. So you see he's using a patchwork of uh, one of the books of David and uh, then in the Old Testament, a thousand years supposedly before the book of Matthew, and then uh, that combined with the book of Revelations, which nobody knows exactly when it was written. And, and, and in order to make the Re book of Revelations fit, what they do is they arbitrarily have picked a date when it was written. And uh, had it been written at a, at, at a date that, that the other disciples lived, when the disciple John actually lived, it's likely that it would have had to have said other things other than what it says. So there's a, an effort then to even date the book of Revelations at a late date for a, for a specific purpose, which was your question. Yes. Well, thanks, Chuck. That's a good insight to the article, and we hope people will do a little research on their own. Check it out in the Bible, Matthew 23, 24, and 25. That's our report. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances 
about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.